Thanks for downloading this podcast from RNIB Connect Radio. Hello world, welcome to the very first episode of There's a Chat for That, a show presented by and for young people living with sight loss, focusing on different topics that impact our daily lives. The show is produced in partnership between RNIB Connect Radio and Haggai, the forum for blind and partially sighted young people in Scotland. And for those of you who don't know what Haggai is, we'll be finding out all about it in just a moment. But first, let me introduce myself. I'm Aaron McHale, and uh, this isn't my normal voice as I'm fighting off a cold, but I'm a young person living in Scotland, and I live with sight loss. I've been actively involved in Haggai since the beginning of the project, almost 10 years ago, and I'm going to be presenting this hour on RNIB Connect Radio. Recently, I took a journey down to the Scottish borders on the Borders Railway to speak to Katrina Thompson, another long-term Haggai member, for a chat, and she's going to fill you in all about what Haggai is. Haggai is the Forum for Blind and Partially Sighted Young People in Scotland. The age ranges from 12 to 25 years old. The whole idea of Haggai is to bring young people across the country together to socialise, to campaign for change and to share their experiences. Haggai has been running now for just over nine years and um, has been really successful and hopefully it'll keep on going from strength to strength. Now you'll probably be wondering, Haggai, where did that come from? Well really, it's quite clever. We were sitting in a meeting, we were called the Youth Forum, which is really boring. We wanted to come up with a cool, fun name that would tell everybody who we were. So we wanted really something Scottish to represent us. So we thought, hmm, there's nothing more Scottish than haggis. Now, the plural of haggis is haggai, spelt with an I at the end. So we changed the ending to E-Y-E. So that's how haggai came about. Maybe if you could just explain to us how Haggai has helped you over the years, because I know you're now in a position where, you know, you might not have otherwise been if it wasn't for Haggai. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Believe it or not, I was quite shy. I wouldn't really speak to people I didn't know. Um, I kept myself to myself. That was, what, say nine years ago now. I think I've changed quite a lot. I'm more confident. Um, I don't mind talking to people that I've never met before. I like to get involved with new things. I'm not scared to try anything new. And without Haggai, I don't think I had that confidence. Haggai gave me so many experiences from travelling the country, from public speaking at events, like in the Scottish Parliament, in front of RNIB's Board of Trustees, um, to name but a few. And as I said, if Haggai didn't come along at the time it did, um, I wouldn't be where I am today. The... The thing that really changed for me was, because I was doing that match, there was a job that came up with RNIB Scotland as a project assistant for Haggai. And I thought, why not give it a go? So I applied for the job, I got the interview, and I thought, oh yeah, first proper interview, not too bad. Then I got a phone call, I got the job. So I went from being a Haggai member to helping promote events about sight loss and avoidable sight loss, to working directly with the young people as a staff member. And it was such an eye-opening experience. I loved it. I mentioned earlier that one of Haggai's main things was to campaign for change. And one of our major campaigns was called Stop and Stare. 
quite a lot of the Haggai members felt that they were getting bullied or people were looking at them and staring at them and not understanding why they were maybe slightly different or why they used a cane or what a guide dog was for. They just didn't get it. And that wasn't their fault. The reason was because nobody had education about what sight loss was. So the Haggai members decided that it'd be a really good idea to do a campaign all around promoting awareness about sight loss. So a toolkit was created on a USB stick which had audio testimonials from the young people explaining what their sight loss was, what they were interested in, showing that they're no different to anybody else really. Um, there was a How to Guide DVD which was made by the young people um, and this DVD showed how to guide somebody across the road, how to help somebody onto a chair, into a bus, upstairs, everyday life things that you actually take for granted until you're in that situation. Um, we also had a presentation which explained how the eye worked and there's a Read Me First document inside the pack which explained what the toolkit was all about. We also had in there some worksheets and some information packs about different sight loss conditions. And these these packs were sent out to schools and libraries all across Scotland, uh, secondary schools that is, so that they can be used in PSD classes, PSE classes, and educate young people and others about what sight loss is. This was carried on um, further to a avoidable sight loss campaign. So it was called Stop and Stare Out and About, and this is what my job was about. Take Stop and Stare to different festivals and things across Scotland over the summer um, with the young people getting involved. So we went to the Young Carers Festival, we delivered training about sight loss, um, we did a lot of things with Young Scotland, the Scottish Youth Parliament was really successful. So just showing that this is what sight loss is, but actually you can avoid quite a lot of that, so 50% to be exact. I was wondering if you could maybe talk about how that's kind of led into where you've got to now. You're now in a position where, like I said, you might not have otherwise been if it wasn't for Haggai. I've always been really passionate about helping people, always. Since I was a wee kid, always wanted to work with people. I think I wanted to be a children's nurse for such a long time. Um, and once I got into school, I actually decided that I really wanted to work with people with disabilities. That was my major passion, that's what I wanted to do, and I was determined to do it. After being in the job in the RNIB, I realised that actually it wasn't just disabled people I wanted to work with, it was specifically young people. And I think that was my goal. Um, my contract was extended by a few months, but it couldn't have been continued. So I was out there looking for work. Um, and a job came up at the TD1 Youth Hub, where I'm currently working as a youth worker. I thought, okay, something a bit different working with young people which I, I'm quite looking forward to doing so that's what I did I applied for the job and I was lucky enough to get it and uh, three and a half years later I'm still here <laughs> um, came across some young people with additional needs who have autism who have got severe ADHD really chaotic home life addiction to drugs and alcohol 
I've dealt with so much and I absolutely love it. So I know that youth work now is what I want to do. I guess in closing, I was just wondering if you could maybe tell people maybe one or two things about why Haggai is so awesome and why they should join if they're interested in joining Haggai. For a start, for me, it wasn't about all the the campaigning and everything like that. That was a bonus. I absolutely loved it. Don't get me wrong. But it was meeting other people who were in similar situations to me. That was a huge help. Coming from a small town, quite rural and isolated, you don't meet other people apart from old people, which isn't really much help when you're a 14-year-old girl, you know? It was just brilliant to meet other people in the same situation. It showed me that I'm not alone. And being able to talk and share experiences, I've made lifelong friends um, who I talk to quite often. Like It's brilliant. And the campaigning was an absolute bonus. Got to do things I wouldn't necessarily have done before. Got to visit places I hadn't been before. It's a, If you lack confidence and you're scared about meeting new people and want help and advice on things and about living with sight loss, get yourself along. It Honestly, it changed my life. RNIB Connect Radio is here. Thanks to Katrina for that great intro to Haggai. If you've just joined us, you're listening to There's a Chat for That on RNIB Connect Radio. I'm Aaron McHale. If you want to get in touch with the show about anything we've talked about today, you can tweet us at RNIB Radio. Call us on 0141 357 3518 or head to the website at rnibconnectradio.org.uk RNIB Connect Radio is here Get all the latest news and more for people with sight loss by connecting with RNIB on Facebook and Twitter Support us on social media for all sorts of extras and it's a great way of networking with like-minded people Search for RNIB on Facebook and follow us now on at RNIB. Follow us and find out more about the UK's leading sight loss charity and feel part of the RNIB family. This is RNIB Connect Radio, the new name for Insight Radio. Earlier I was talking with Katrina Thompson, who was telling us all about Haggai, which is part of RNIB Scotland Education Family Services team. Earlier this month, I dropped by the Scottish Learning Festival at the Glasgow SECC and spoke with Anne-Marie Fleming, who is the new EFS manager. And I started by asking her what her highlights have been so far. I've enjoyed being at all the different events. Texture was particularly interesting, getting more up-to-date with all the up-to-date technology that's happening. There's so many changes going on, so it was great to get involved in that and I particularly enjoyed the Haggai National meeting that we had on Saturday and it was good to meet a lot of the young people involved in Haggai and have chats with them and find out kind of issues that were affecting them or affected their education 
because Haggai is only part of what I do and I'm trying to find out what's happening within education in Scotland in all the different local authorities so that I can go in and help support people who have a visual impairment or need additional help. I trained originally as a physical education teacher. I've taught in mainstream secondary schools, both teaching physical education and a subject called anatomy, physiology and health. A long time ago I went into the field of visual impairment and I taught at the Royal Blind School for a long period of time teaching physical education. I became a principal teacher and deputy head there before I left and more recently I've been involved in the area of autism spectrum disorder, working in a residential special school for those with autism as a deputy head and I have just suddenly started in this post about two weeks ago. It's been a bit of a whirlwind of meeting people and getting to know who's who and trying to get to grips with the job. I saw this post advertised and I thought, well, one thing, it makes very good use of the qualifications and the experience I've got in visual impairment. And I just saw it as a particular challenge because I think because of the presumption in Scotland of mainstreaming for children with any kind of visual impairment, I think it's very important that we get in to support them and that the right support's available to them at the right time and when they need it. It just sounded like an, an exciting opportunity, so I'm really looking forward to this role. It's only been a few weeks. Is there anything particular that stood out, like any highlights that you've had so far in the job? I would say probably TechShare was one of the highlights. It gave me an opportunity to meet a lot of people and just experiment with the technology try things out and get to know how the technology has changed over the last few years when I've been in the field of autism and try and get more up to date with what's available for those with visual impairment I'm particularly excited about being at the conference that I'm currently at is the Scottish Learning Festival and that's given me an awful lot of opportunity to meet people in education and work with them to support those with any kind of sensory impairment but particularly the visual side of things is there one big thing at the moment that you're maybe looking forward to doing or that you're excited to really get stuck into? Anything that really jumps out at you? I think there's a couple of things. One of the things, I'm in the process of getting up and running to transition weekends for 15 to 18 year olds to help support transition, post-school transition. Also quite excited about looking at things from a strategic point of view and getting into local authorities to get more accurate information about the number of young people with sight loss that we're we're currently supporting within education and also looking at how many trained staff we have, how many QTVIs or qualified teachers with the visually impaired are in post in Scotland and how I can continue to develop that side of things. I think first of all I have to get to grips with what the job entails and get to know people in different positions. It's very hard to come up with new ideas until I know what's already happening. I'm very enthusiastic about the post and I've got lots of ideas spinning about my head which may or may not be happening in Scotland already and that's why I need to collect more information before I start developing my own ideas. RNIB Connect Radio is here. This is Aaron McHale. You're listening to There's a Chat for that. If you want to get involved, we'd love to hear from you. We'll give you some contact details later. Now, Haggai runs lots of events throughout the year. Recently, I caught up with Lee Chalmers, who is the mum of Joe, a 13-year-old Haggai member, and I asked her what Joe gets from being involved. I love coming along and supporting Joe at these events. I think it's very important for him to meet other people with visual impairment and to grow and build his confidence for the the big world. He's only 13 at the moment, but hopefully through the help 
Haggai give him and the experiences he has with Haggai that will help develop him into a confident individual for the big bad world out there. Joe's got a very, very close friend and he's quite popular at school but he doesn't tend to go out of the house very much apart from when he's with his best friend who lives next door. So coming along to Haggai really helped bring Joe out of his shell. He's quite a confident individual and but he's only happy in certain company and he didn't have any friends with visual impairment so coming along to these events has been really important. He's approaching 14 now so you know if I can put him on the train and someone can get him off the train I think he would be quite happy to come now that he's met friends and he knows everyone quite well. I think you know that's that's the next step. We haven't had any experience with friends or family with sight loss so when Joe was diagnosed as a baby we thought her world had ended and we didn't know we couldn't see the future for him we didn't know how on earth we were going to survive and how this little boy was going to be able to grow and adapt and be like his big brother especially through the the involvement and the encouragement of RNIB the family days and Haggai joining Haggai it's really really been an amazing support and you know, brought Joe out of his shell and he's tried lots of things he wouldn't have been able to try otherwise. So meeting likes of yourself and the older members of Haggai does really fill me with hope and aspiration for Joe to know that, you know, one day he'll be like you and hopefully encouraging the young younger members of the Haggai Junior team to come through the, the ranks if you like and be confident individuals. Joe has his travel card, he's C plus one, so him and his friend travel free. And we've given, you know, been able to give them that independence to be able to do that. I think it's important that Joe is able to have the same level of independence as his brother had, who doesn't have any visual impairment. We're taking him on, on various other journeys throughout Scotland to, to build his confidence, and hopefully the next Haggai meeting we might be able to put him on the train himself and get him picked up at the other end. Oh, we'll miss you, though. <laughs> I'll miss coming, it's great. Yeah. I feel like part of uh, a kind of honorary member of Haggai. <laughs> we do the, the work, you know, with Education Family Services and RNIB, so some of the events we'll do, like, in partnership with, with them, so it's the family day. So I'm sure we'll, we'll still see you around, even though Joe is growing and becoming more independent. Is there anything you would say to maybe other parents or other young people even who maybe would consider joining Haggai? Anything, anything you particularly thought has been of a good benefit? I would just say do it, do it, do it. I couldn't stress that highly enough. Just the fact that it's building independence, building confidence, giving you opportunities to be spokespeople, spokespersons, if you want to be, you know, if you want to do that. It opens so many doors for you and... The team are just so supportive and encouraging that, you know, I can't praise it highly enough. RNIB Connect Radio is here. RNIB. Supporting people with sight loss. The RNIB News Agent Service, which delivers the latest news, magazines and stories in a range of accessible formats to people with sight loss, is now free for under-16s. Reading can make the world of difference, and it's vital that all blind and partially sighted children can access the same content as their sighted peers in a fun and creative way. 
Current titles in the RNIB newsagent service include BBC Horrible Histories, First News, Aquila, National Geographic and RNIB Blastoff. Formats include audio CD or USB, email or braille. To register for RNIB newsagent, please call our helpline on 0303 123 9999 or email us at helpline at rnib.org.uk. RNIB Connect Radio is here. You're listening to Aaron McHale here on RNIB Connect Radio. We've been talking about Haggai, which is a forum for young people with sight loss. Matthew Clark spoke to Elizabeth Miller about a new group for little ones. Haggai Junior is a project basically that works with young people. They join a kids club, they get a junior's pack, a junior teddy. Anybody between 5 and 12 who has sight loss can sign up to Haggai Junior. Meetings tend to be fundies type things. So, for example, the last one we had in June, we had tactile storytelling while the parents were speaking to people from RNIB about the services and provision. Scottish Disability Sport came along and gave an input and there was also a discussion on talking books to the parents and while the children were being entertained. And then at the end of that, we had lunch together then as a group both Haggai and junior members as well as all the family members went to the Falkirk Wheel so the general meeting itself is about like fun sharing experiences peer support along with a fun day. I think it's always been really positive for the family members to see the different transition if you like from say junior into Haggai and it lets them see a, a kind of range of what their child can get into when they get slightly older so for example a parent might have a younger child who can then share an experience of what's happening in their life with somebody who's already been through that. And I think the, the importance of that peer support with the family members is, has been really beneficial. In relation to the child's experience, I think they just grow in confidence and they, they enjoy being with other children, particularly at that age when they're 12, going into high school and that kind of transition already, transitioning into something as positive as Haggai has always been really positive for them. RNIB Connect Radio is here. If you've just joined us, you're listening to There's a Chat for That on RNIB Connect Radio. I'm Aaron McHale. If you're a young person with sight loss and you want to get in touch with the show about anything we've discussed, you can tweet us at RNIB Radio, call us on 0141 357 3518 or head to the website at rnibconnectradio.org.uk TV licensing offers concessions for blind and severely sight-impaired people. You can get a 50% reduction on your TV license fee if you're blind or severely sight-impaired. Your license will also cover anyone who lives with you. You need a TV license if you watch or record television programmes on TV, computer, mobile phone, games console, digital box or even DVD or VHS recorder. You don't need a TV license if you have a digital box used to produce sounds only, like listening to radio stations, but you cannot have this set up to watch TV. For more information, ways to pay and eligibility, visit www.tvlicensing.co.uk and you'll also get full details on how to claim your 50% TV license discount for blind and severely sight-impaired people. RNIB Connect Radio is here. Earlier we heard from Elizabeth Miller telling us all about Haggai Jr., 
which is for children aged between 5 and 12 with sight loss. Matthew also spoke with Diane, whose daughter is a new member. Leanne, she's 10 years of age and she has retinopathy of prematurity and nystagmus. She can see up to 2 metres. Before Haggai Juniors came along, did you know any other parents who have children with sight loss? Yes, Leanne attends now top primary. They have the visual impairment base here. Leanne quickly became friends with all the kids in the VI unit and one girl in particular she's still friends with. His mum I am now friends with her also. How then did you hear about Haggai Juniors? Well, I've been in contact with the RNIB for a few years now. Although it was April last year, I received an email stating that they were launching Haggai Juniors for the kids between the ages of 5 and 12, enabling them to meet others with visual impairments and gain the shared experiences together. I already knew Haggai itself existed for the older kids. Mm, so you knew about that mm-hmm. already? Yeah, because I'd read about it and seen the things they do and how they gain in their independence and their confidence. Excellent. Uh, obviously, Leanne got the benefit of Haggai Juniors coming along and uh, she got to join uh, the, the club a bit sooner. So uh, what mm-hmm. has Leanne gotten out from being a member of the club? Well, initially she was very apprehensive, as she is with everything she goes to do. But then when she did get there, she she made new friends, tried new experiences, and she's built up her own confidence. And she has a better understanding of others with sight loss as well as her own. That's wonderful. Has that expanded her network of friends beyond the uh, couple of others in the local VI unit? Definitely. She enjoys coming to the events to meet all the kids she's made friends with. And especially getting a photo took with Haggai, the mascot himself. <laughs> she loves that. Oh, he's he's gorgeous. We've got him in the studio with us, actually. What has it been like for you as a parent coming along to events? Well, I found it very informative being able to talk to the other parents, to share the experiences and to attend all the workshops. It's been very beneficial to us and to enable Leanne to progress further. Are there any workshops or events that have stood out in particular for you? Well, the ones where we can do certain activities at home, how we can gain new equipment for the services that's available to us. And do you know for Leanne, if we asked her uh, from the events she's been to with Haggai Juniors, what would be her favourite? Joining in and going to the fun fair and to being able to run about with all the kids. Was that when we went to M&D's for the yeah, launch event? Yeah, she, she absolutely loves yeah. M&D's. And her and another wee boy just kept going on the same rides and all running about together. What a lovely day that was. Mm-hmm. Really glad that you, you were both there and enjoyed it so much. Yeah, yeah, she really did. Uh, what are your hopes for the future for Leanne then? Well, I would like her to continue to have the support, enabling her to become more confident and independent as she gets older and eventually progress into Haggai where she can continue to do this and enjoy the experiences they also provide. Why would you recommend Haggai Juniors to other parents whose children have sight loss? I would definitely recommend that the parents and the children be able to talk, gain valuable information on how to get the, the help that's available, all the services that's available, because not everyone knows that until they, they join and also all the equipment that's available for their, for their child 
and to meet others and for most of all for the children to have fun. RNIB Connect Radio is here. You're listening to There's a Chat for That with me, Aaron McHale, on RNIB Connect Radio. Now, we're always interested in hearing people's stories on how they have overcome the challenges associated with sight loss. Matthew Clark spoke to Danielle, who is currently studying at university. To learn a little bit more about her life, he began by asking her to tell us a little bit about her condition. My condition is Stargardt's macular dystrophy. Um, It affects central vision, so central vision is gradually lost, meaning that I'm heavily reliant on my peripheral vision. So with regards to getting around, when I'm familiar in an area, it's okay for me to get around, but if I'm in a place that's unfamiliar, it can be quite difficult. So having an iPhone... Things like the Maps app can be really helpful for finding routes around, for planning routes, especially if I'm unsure of, you know, like a safe way to go or, you know, streets are unfamiliar and that's quite helpful. Do you use any sort of uh, magnification or screen reading at all to help you access devices? On my iPhone I use the zoom setting, the colour invert and the voiceover. Um, they seem to work well with my level of sight loss um, because you know you can increase the zoom or decrease it as much as you like. Like I find myself zooming in and out quite a lot. It's really easy to do, it's fluid on the iPhone. You know you can just do it instantly. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, to be able to find out where you are on the page, navigate it well. Can you next share with us uh, the experience you had when you were younger of starting to lose your sight and how that affected your life as a as a child and a school pupil? Okay, so there's no history in my family of any kind of sight loss like the type I have or you know, any other conditions related to sight loss. So um, I first noticed that my sight wasn't great in school. When I was around 10, I was having issues seeing the board in class. And it was just something that seemed to happen almost overnight. You know, it was just, I couldn't read it. I would have to get up very close to read things on the board. So at that point, we went to the optician. She tried different lenses, but it wasn't making the sight any better. Um, she even put you know, clear lenses in the glasses just to test if you know, I was like making it up that I couldn't see it. But of course, that didn't help. And from there, she referred me to the hospital where they discovered that that was the condition that I had, was macular degeneration. But they never really knew much about how fast it would degenerate or, you know, if I would be left with any sight. What was your initial reaction, your earlier feelings, your family's? Um, It was a shock at first you know, the reaction from my family was, 
you'll just need glasses, you know, we'll go to the optician, it'll be fine. So when that's your mindset that it's just a, a little issue that can be corrected to then find out that it's a permanent problem that actually won't get any better was really difficult, you know, to being actually diagnosed with a condition is a completely different ball game to just, you know, needing to wear glasses in certain situations. So it was quite overwhelming and it was a lot to take in. So from the point of being diagnosed, there was a lot of adjustments made quite quickly in terms of, you know, schoolwork, being approached by different services about, you know, technology that was available. But I suppose I wasn't ready at that point to use the specialised equipment that was being proposed to me. It was obviously quite soon. You had the shock of there being no quick fix like glasses. Was there also any issue in how the technology was presented to you, what it was, what it did? At this point, I was still in primary school. There wasn't really any real need for, you know, a laptop with specialist tech. It was quite basic, so we're talking, like, paper weight magnifiers and, like, telescopes to see things that were further away specialised in the sense that it's not something that people without sight loss use so of course it's going to make you stand out and I think just at the time I wasn't open to it anyway it was just quite overwhelming I just sort of did it because I felt pressured from you know my school my family and the services themselves. You know, I was told that I would need these things. I didn't see myself using them. I just did it to appease others. How did your experience with specialist technology and reasonable adjustments go on into secondary school? Did anything change, anything get better? So when it came to education in general, I just adopted this attitude of... I can do it without it, I can manage without it. Obviously it did become a bit more difficult as you go into secondary school and the workload increases. Um, I was introduced to a large desktop magnifier which I used sometimes in a separate room if there was issues with making materials bigger, you know, a bigger font size. So at this point I was introduced to a laptop which had Supernova on it, which is a magnifying software. I just found it really difficult to use. It just wasn't really fluid in the sense that whenever you wanted to zoom in or zoom out, you had to open a menu and then close a menu. And it was just really time-consuming. It seemed to create as many problems as it set out to solve. I think because I hadn't found any kind of technology that really sat well with me, I didn't hold out much hope for it. So I was probably going into it with a bit of a bad attitude as well, you know. I was determined that I was going to get by without it. It wasn't until later on in secondary that I did start to use the laptop for exams, like written exams. 
because then that way you know it was easy to go through and edit and read my work back and it did help I think because I was only using you know the like a word document and I was touch typing so there wasn't really much interaction with any of the other settings you know on the laptop maybe that's why it was it was helpful because it was at like a basic level how did this bad attitude uh, come on when you were moving towards transitioning to university where you are now? It seems really naive thinking back, but I still had that same, you know, it'll be fine, I'll, I'll just continue <laughs> doing what I'm doing. Um, but then obviously you get to uni, it's a completely different ball game, the workload you know, increases substantially. You can't get by, you know, with handwriting your notes when you can't exactly read them back. You know, when you can't read PowerPoints on a screen, you need to have something in front of you where you can be looking at that while it's on the screen. That was probably the main thing that I thought maybe I'll need to use something to be able to see you know what's actually going on because otherwise you're just sitting there and you're lost and you can't follow. So I think it was at that point I thought, you know, maybe I should try and use, you know, a laptop or a computer to try and make it a bit easier. Did your attitude change at all? Did the equipment change? I'd got a a laptop provided from the Disabled Students Allowance. I just encountered the same issues that I did in school. It would crash a lot. The magnification program didn't really work well with, you know, other programs that you were running. The laptop was really slow. There would be times where it would just completely crash and you just don't trust the technology. It seems that you have a wee bit more trust in the technology you use now was there a pivotal moment when something changed, whether it was you, the technology, or some other factor? My auntie and uncle bought an iMac, which is the Apple version of a desktop computer. And, you know, when they first got it, I had a go. And um, sort of realised that, you know, they were really big on accessibility and that the features you know were really easy to switch on and navigate there's a lot of keyboard shortcuts the accessibility features were just built into the system it wasn't like an extra program that you would have to go in and open and wait on it starting up it just worked instantly i did have an iphone at this point but for some reason i just hadn't made the connection between the accessibility features on my phone and if those would be the same on, you know, an Apple computer. The features on my iPhone, accessibility features that I was using on there, the zoom, the voice over the invert colours, they all worked great, but I just didn't think that, you know, an Apple computer would be the same for some reason. It just wasn't something that I had thought about. It wasn't until I actually used one that it clicked. They had the same features, which was nice because I had the experience of, 
you know, using the zoom and the invert colours and the voiceover on my phone, so it felt familiar, I suppose. But I did get a MacBook Pro after using the iMac. It just works so well, like there's no frustration. Literally every bit of uni work that I do is on my laptop. It's integrated so well, it's just fluid. I don't think that I would get by without it in terms of being able to keep up with the work and do well in the work. If you could look back and change something with the support you were given or in your own sometimes rebellious attitude perhaps, what would you change about either of those that might have made your experience this positive earlier? All of the tech that was introduced to me was specialised tech. There was no mainstream technology in there, you know, like Apple products, which have the features on them, but it's not what they're specifically designed for primarily. So I think if I was introduced to more products like that, it might have opened me up more to the idea of using more technology. At the time, I was probably just not ready to accept the condition, I think. When you get told that, you know, you have this incurable condition, it feels like things are out with your control. So I think part of the issue that I had was that I wanted to be in control. So, you know, I was going to decide how I did it, <laughs> how I went through, you know, my education. If I wanted to struggle and persevere without technology, then that's what I was going to do. And I think that's where the rebellion came from, because I wanted to regain some of that control that I felt I had lost. So it was going to be in my terms, and I didn't want to use technology, so I wasn't going to do it. <laughs> So to be honest, I don't think I could really change that because I think that's something that happens over time. You know, the more you deal with it and the more experience you get going forward. Is there anything that you would tell your younger self? To be honest, I did not bad in secondary school with regards to not using any extra tech. Like, I got all my hires, I managed to get into to uni, you know, on a course that I want, but just some reassurance that it wouldn't always be that hard. At the time, I hadn't found the technology that worked for me, so I suppose that was a bit frightening in itself, feeling like you know, I can struggle without it and I can struggle with it. There's no real solution. That's quite frustrating. So maybe just tell myself that you will find something that works and it will make life a bit easier. I mean, now that I've found the right technology, I honestly couldn't see myself not using it every day. It's something that has just become second nature to use it in my everyday life, which is not something that I ever thought I would say. I never thought I would 
rely on it as much as what I do now. I'm going to UCLA to study for the year, which will be made so much easier having my phone with me, having maps, having my, you know, my laptop that works so well with my uni work because it will be an adjustment, you know, not only to a new city but a new education system. The workload will increase because I'm going into third year so it's going to get harder. Um, so it's really important to be, I suppose, on top of your game in the sense that I won't be disadvantaged in any way because I have found technology that works for me and that that helps to cancel out some of those difficulties that I would have. Thank you, Danielle. We all wish you the very best of luck at UCLA. Thank you very much. RNIB Connect Radio is here. That's it for There's a Chat for That. If you'd like to find out more about groups for young people with sight loss in your area, call the RNIB helpline on 0303-123-9999 and get connected. For more downloads like these, visit rnibconnectradio.org.uk slash podcasts.